As WWE ramps up for the day one pay-per-view in just three weeks, we get a very solid Monday Night Raw with Kevin Owens taking on Big E inside of Steel Cage. Edge appears as a guest on Miz TV. RK-Bro continued to shine. And Liv Morgan has a career night. Let's get it all started right after this. <sighs> Ugh, what a day. I just need some me time for once. Yes, Perfect! I got the new bath bombs today! Peach and Clove, here we come! Mim and the Anvil makes the best smelling herbal blends of bath bombs. You can order loose or ground herb, added buttermilk, extra large, even ones with hidden gifts inside. There are over 25 essential oil varieties. After today, my body definitely needs some spiritual nourishment and lots of fizz. Her metaphysical blends are soothing in more ways than one. Visit MimTheAnvil.com today. Make time for yourself. There are over 100 herbal blends of bath bombs. Keep a healthy body and mind. Feed your soul. Visit MimTheAnvil.com today. If you don't make time for yourself, no one else will. This is WWE superstar Drew McIntyre, and you're listening to the WWE Podcast. The one that everybody wants, me. You're gonna acknowledge me. Well, here we go, everybody. Welcome to the Monday Night Raw episode of the WWE Podcast. We're about to dive into the entire episode of Monday Night Raw and an episode that I really believe was pretty solid. Pretty solid. I mean, I do have some gripes, as per usual. I mean, would this show be a WWE podcast? Would it be a a typical show without some kind of uh, critique? The answer is no. The answer is no. So I do have a few things, but there's no such thing as a perfect episode of Raw. And overall, though, again, I I thought it was an enjoyable episode. And I will say this. I got way, way more invested in the main event of Raw than I ever thought I would. Like, I don't know why. All of a sudden, like, something just switched on me. And we're going to dive into that. And maybe it was, I don't know, maybe I'm PMSing. Who knows? I I just really, for some reason, was just there for Liv Morgan in a much bigger way than I anticipated, even though we all knew this match was coming and we all sort of saw the outcome for, you know, foresaw it. And we knew that Liv Morgan was more than likely not going to win the Raw Women's Championship. But, but uh, we're going to dive into that a little bit more in a minute. But just one shameless plug, and this is actually a pretty big one, uh, is that yesterday I announced on the the What If show, or not the What If show, the, the Sunday night show, because yesterday we did a retro What If. Uh, my fault on that one. I just burned out uh, yesterday. And uh, so not Anthony, Salt, my own. And we will uh, reconvene next week for a brand new What If. So uh, my apologies there. But um, the Sunday night show, I announced that the WWE podcast ad-free audio would be dropping to 99 cents a month with a seven-day free trial on Apple Podcasts. Well, that's still the case, but we've now also, for a limited time, don't know how long, I feel like I'm running an infomercial, but our yearly offer now is just $10 for the entire year. Now, why is that significant? Well, if you did 99 cents a month, that'd be 12 bucks a year, but we're taking an additional two months off of the yearly price. So if you elect for the yearly option on the Apple Podcasts uh, site, the, the the page there on our Apple Podcasts uh, main page, $10 for the entire year ad-free. And that's locked in for a year. So even if prices go up, if, if I decide to get rid of this promotion, you're locked in. You are locked in for the entire year for just $10. I mean, that that's sort of a steal. So get yourself into the Apple Podcasts realm if you're there. Most of our listeners do come from Apple Podcasts, so consider doing this, guys, because I really don't know how long long I'm going to run the promotion for $0.99 a month or $9.99 a year. So consider that, but uh, if not, you can also check out Patreon. That's also a dollar a month, and everything's ad-free there with much more in the higher tiers, including uh, a 
uh, merchandise and coming on the show and everything else. So anyway, let's move into the Monday Night Raw episode. I'm going to start right with Liv Morgan and Becky Lynch. I'm not going to wait. This match, I have to say, they did a really good job of promoting throughout the show. It felt like a big deal, and it almost felt as if there was a chance that Liv Morgan could win. Why? Because it was the main event of Raw. It was the main event of Raw where if a title like that is going to change hands, that's where it would happen. Now, in the first place, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't put championship matches on Raw on a regular basis. That's beside the point. But if they were going to do it in this time and in, in day where uh, they just have no shame of putting championship matches on Raw on a weekly basis, this would have been the spot to do it. Um, and Becky Lynch really being undefeated since WrestleMania 35, albeit a year and a half gap, uh, this would have felt like a huge moment in Memphis, Tennessee. And boy, they weren't shy about saying Memphis, Tennessee, were they? Other than The Miz, of course, having to uh, kind of uh, make fun of the, the Southern accent because we all know Vince McMahon hates, hates the Southern accent. So there's always somebody per Vince McMahon's instructions that has to rag on the town if that they're in, if they're a Southern deep Southern town of we're in Memphis, Tennessee, right? You, you always have to have somebody because Vince truly doesn't like the Southern accent. That's a real thing. So okay, we'll get to the biz and edge later. Cause that's also uh, something significant that happened on raw, but this, this uh, matchup felt like a big deal. And like I said, there was, it felt like there was a chance that they could, uh, they could change title holders. Not only because it was the placement of the match in the main event of Raw, but they reminded us about a match from, uh, was it 17 years ago? Oh my God, 2004 was 17 years ago. Where the hell is time gone? Uh, 17 years ago between, between Trish Stratus and Lita, where Lita ended up grabbing the women's championship that night, becoming women's champion. And uh, they showed that spot where Lita almost broke her neck. Or maybe she actually did. I'd have, I'd have to... I remember going back and watching that going, oh, my God. I mean, that, that was scary. And it was really even more significant then because you're in the heart of ruthless, the ruthless aggression era on the heels of the Rock and Austin era. Uh, you know, your Brock Lesnar was prominent then. Um, and actually, Brock Lesnar was gone by then, actually, uh, because he had left in early 2004. But it was the John Cena era. And Undertaker was, was of course, uh, back as the dead man. That's the era we're talking about, and yet the women main evented Raw that night in an era also where the women were vastly sexualized, not to the extent that they were in the Attitude Era, but still not much better. So for them in 2004 to main event Raw uh, was amazing. I mean, I actually remember that Raw live. Many of you probably do as well, and to see that happen, you, you kind of felt at, at the time, and no, this is no disrespect to Trish and Lita, but it felt like, oh, man, we're getting that for the main event because you're so used to Austin in the main event, Rock in the main event, Triple H in the main event, Undertaker. You know, while Austin and Rock were retired by that point, they were still kind of somewhat in wrestling. Well, Austin was officially retired, but The Rock was kind of poking his head in and out, so to speak. And so you you kind of felt like, oh, really? So, and I don't mean that to be disrespectful, but when you raise the bar that high, it's it's hard to not expect that on a regular basis when it's continuously happening. Anyway, I'm not here to analyze Trish and Lita. I'm just saying in that era, it actually was more significant because it was unheard of that women main evented Monday night raw, but they killed it that night. I remember that. And they were way at quote unquote ahead of their time. And I don't mean that disrespectfully because the women shouldn't have been sexualized as they were, uh, but they were ahead of their time in what pro wrestling did for them at that time, at that time. And um, now, of course, we fast forward 17 years and the women's have, women have made a, a lot of progress uh, and really in no large part due to the fans, because the fans are the ones who really created this movement. You, know, you do wonder if WWE didn't get the push from the fans, would they still be kind of marginalizing the women? Would they, would they still be kind of just kind of uh, objectifying them or in the PG era? Maybe they wouldn't have objectified them sexually, but perhaps they would have just kind of made them more of still of a sideshow um not as uh, not as relevant as they are now. It's possible, you know. It is possible, but this is all it's really starting from the fans, from the ground up. Like, hey, give divas a chance, which turned into the women's revolution, evolution, evolution pay per view. And Stephanie tried to be the head of that, 
of course, as the chief brand officer, that's there's no better PR to have than some kind of organic women's movement that she seemingly took credit for and was the the face of, yet she had really almost nothing to do with it. <clears throat> and uh, anyway, that's a whole other topic. See how quickly I get off on random tangents, but it is relevant to the main event we got here with Liv and uh, Becky Lynch because... What they did here, the, the placement was great to make you believe. The reminder about 17 years ago with Trish and Lita that I just talked about was a great reminder and one I would have never remembered. The The cherry on top for me wasn't the interview that, that, that Liv had before the match, although that was it was solid. It was fine. And the same thing for Becky Lynch. It didn't really do much other than just kind of keep things at where they were. I mean, it was just kind of hold steady. The, the cherry on top for me that I never expected them to do was create the video package that they did and air it directly before the match for Liv Morgan. That to me really sold it. Like they were already halfway there for me, maybe 75% of the way there. I'm like, all right, I kind of care about this. They've got me invested. This like pushed me into the deep end of investment and in, in a place that I never expected to be getting actually like emotional about rooting for this woman because all of a sudden, within, what, a, a couple of minutes, you knew more about Liv Morgan than you had in the last six years as part of the Riot Squad, kind of a, a pretty face in a group that was going nowhere, and uh, you know a, a talent that you knew had something but was never pushed to the forefront, and it was frustrating for a lot of fans. So... It was amazing. It just it's because you got a backstory. You got a backstory on this woman that you had really no other backstory to before this time. You may have heard things here and there, but to see her mother, to see how much of a fan she was, they gave clips of the era that she grew up in, the attitude era. They showed Austin, they showed Rock and Taker and Triple H. And maybe it's also given that I'm a millennial and I grew up during that time too. I, I connected even more on that level. But this allows you to just step into her shoes, see the life she, she's lived, no pun intended. And from her family perspective, see what her mom has, has talked about growing up in a, a, single, uh, a, a single mom home where she didn't have a dad to lean on. Um, you know, that all really just um, made you feel sympathetic towards her, made you root for her even more, um, really just spoke to her character. And, and again, this is all from a video package. I don't think any of it was fabricated. I don't. I really don't. I believe it was all true. Um, but just to, again, it's amazing. It's amazing what just a, a few minutes of a video package can do that filled in a hole that couldn't that wasn't filled for six years with Liv Morgan. And it was just, it was great. I mean, I, I really, really uh, can't say enough about it because I, I will say it until I'm blue in the face. If you do not have emotional investment in a, in a storyline, you have nothing. You have nothing because you have fans that aren't engaged. You have fans tuning out, maybe watching something else, skipping through that portion of Raw, not reacting while if they're in the arena, not buying the merchandise. So... This, to me, was emotional investment. And the match itself, while there were some you know, some blunders here and there, like this wasn't a classic of Charlotte Becky or you know a classic Becky and Bianca or, or whatever. This was, I think, still Bianca or Bianca's, uh, Liv Morgan's best match to date. Yes, we have a great uh, competitor on the other side of the ring that is due as much credit as Liv Morgan is. In Becky Lynch, but Liv held her own, and there were some miscommunications. Um, nothing egregious that you would go, "Oh my God, this is embarrassing." But yeah, there was some, there was some kind of a little bit of sloppy spots, but it wasn't enough to me to damper the the entire match. I think the meaning of it, the execution of it, was still meaningful, and it still hit the target that it wanted to hit, which was get the fans behind Liv. Let's see what we got. And WWE did their part here because I said, and I stand by it, this was a litmus test for fans and for WWE to fans 
to see how much they truly support or don't Liv Morgan. And WWE did their part. They put her in the main event. They gave her an opportunity. They made her look competitive as hell, almost winning the championship on multiple uh, spots in that match. They gave you a video package to give you a backstory. The emotion on Liv's face was real coming out to the ring. Um, you could see it on her face. Corey Graves even picked up on that, too, that he said that um, the butterflies in her stomach are the size of pterodactyls. You know, as weird of an analogy as that is, um, I don't know if he's watching the, the new Jurassic Park trailer or something that came to his mind. But that all just to me, just it created Liv Morgan in a single night. And yes, she didn't win the championship, but that's not the point. Now you have a character that you know a hell of a lot more about that showed true emotion that can hang in the main event and got screwed out of the championship by this uh, th- this tyrannical Becky Lynch. And now you have some ground to stand on. Fans have something to cheer for. And I hope that the fans continue to support her because this if this fails from here on out from the Liv Morgan perspective, if the, if the Liv Morgan experience, uh, experiment fails, it at this point won't be because of WWE. It would be because fans didn't grasp on and they let this storyline die. Now, I know what some of you are saying. Well, wait a minute. We haven't seen the whole thing play out. What if they do something really stupid next week? And you know what? That's absolutely possible. WWE could do something just ridiculous next week. You know, do another pie to the face. Have her be in a, like a gravy bowl match or something. I don't. They wouldn't do that. But something really dumb. They could. I don't think they will. Uh, given that they put a lot of time into this main event. And they did their part. Now it's time for the fans to pull their weight and make this come full circle. Um, I I believe that they won't screw this up in terms of like egregiously where, yeah, okay. They did. They had a lot of good things they did this week and they do something really, really dumb the next few weeks and kill the character. It's very possible, but I'm going to go on the premise that they don't and they do at least a satisfactory job. It is now the fans turn. So I'm repeating myself, but you guys get the drift. Now, again, the ending of the match was great. I, I think the ending of the match was perfect because now you've not only set up Liv Morgan in a great position. Like, I mean, they did an excellent job again from top to bottom in, in their, their goal here. But they've done a, a something else to Becky Lynch where now I think she's truly coming into a heel character where this is something that they can really sink their teeth into, fans that is, of wanting to see Becky Lynch get dethroned. Where before and up to that point, it was kind of like, oh, Becky, stop your kidding around. You know, stop. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, stop being so mean. We still love you. And there were some boos. But then it'd go back to cheers. And her music is so fun to listen to. The fans still cheer for her when she comes out. They need to do something about that music if they truly want to get her on a, on a heel uh, wavelength here. Music always lags behind a heel turn. I think there's there's always um for whatever reason there's just the logistics of getting a, a new heel song lags many weeks behind the actual turn. So hopefully Becky Lynch gets uh, some new music to kind of quiet the crowd from her Pavlovian response that she gets with her current music. But that that aside, this I think will be the first event that WWE has with Becky that the fans can go, all right, yeah, um, screw this girl, right? Screw this woman. We want live now. We want live. And the first live chance that I can remember, they need to start, I think, chanting Morgan because live is a one syllable word. One syllable words aren't great to be chanted. They're, they're not very chantable. So maybe it's uh, let's go. Let's I don't know. Let's go live. I think that's what they did. Or they did a lot of like live and let's go live. But maybe more again, more again, maybe. I don't know. No, but I'm sure fans will come up with something. Um, but they also, again, established Becky now solidly in that heel camp with what she did to live and uh, doing what she did to Bianca and and, uh, and holding the rope. So this has now become Becky Lynch's signature. So it's it's Becky Lynch now has something that the fans need to look out for that somebody will eventually catch her. And when she tries it again in a big spot, I think she'll get caught and it won't work. Um, but 
we get, we had like what three rollups for the night and this was one of them. <laughs> so, um, but again, guys, I know I spent now 20 minutes talking about this, but that's how strongly I felt about this. And I don't know what hit me about it. Maybe some of you were still tuned out, didn't do for much for you, but this was really strong for me. Uh, this was, this really did it. And again, it's all about the follow-up. If you don't have good follow-up, then, you know, all, all the work you've done could be for nothing. So the, the follow-up needs to be strong. I don't know what the plans are moving forward for Liv. Again, I think that the WWE is going to test the waters to see how far they want to take this. And if ultimately the goal would be to turn or uh, put Liv as women's champion, or if they just want to have her on a quick, nice little run, that feel-good story, but ultimately she's a pass-through to a bigger opponent. They're testing us, guys. WWE did their part. Now it's time for us to do ours. All right, uh, let's move into the next segment here. And what do I want to talk about? What the heck do I want to talk about? Ah, the steel cage match that opened Monday Night Raw. And uh, good match. You know, I, I'm glad that Raw started off with uh, something beyond just a promo that's very typical of Raw that leads to a main event. So this was nice. Um, the steel cage match was, as expected, good. Uh, two really good performers in the ring. Kevin Owens loses clean to Big E. And, of course, I mean, I don't even know if I want to get into the whole fact that walking out the door is an actual method of victory. I'll just say this once, and then I won't say it again the rest of the show. How you have methods of victory that go against the very purpose of the steel cage is inflammatorily aggravating. Maybe that's a kind of a repetitive statement, but it doesn't make sense that a steel cage, which is meant to keep people out and keep people in the very way to win that match is to escape the very structure that was meant to keep you in. And that's how you win. How is that even a, just think about that. Think about that. The worst part of it, I, I would even, if somebody force me to, to choose this method, I would at least allow for escaping over the top, but no door. The door is ridiculous. Walking through a door can be done by a toddler, by a, you know, a, a geriatric senior citizen. It can be done by like nearly every human being on earth with ease. And, and especially if you have somebody open the door for you, but these super athletes can't just walk through the door quickly and win. Come on. Please, at least in the bare minimum, eliminate the walking through the door methodology. I know that they like to have their outs and ways to win a match. This one is cartoonishly bad. It's, it's, oh, okay. See, I'm done. I said it once. Okay. But after the match, Bobby Lashley, out of, and I didn't see this coming, but like an RKO, he attacked uh, Kevin Owens, attacked Big E. And I think he, as they loved, and Byron, God, he loves to say this. He made a statement about putting himself into the championship picture. And now I believe this is a fatal four-way. This is no longer a triple threat. As we had somewhat assumed earlier, this is now a fatal four-way. The only difference was a few weeks ago, we talked about the possibility of Finn Balor being in this. Looks like it's going to be uh, Bobby Lashley in, in this, and it just further allows WWE to protect Big E when he loses the championship. Given that he's essentially got a twenty five percent chance of winning that uh, winning that match, now there's four competitors, so they are further protecting Big E here upon a loss where Seth Rollins should capture the championship. I mean, Bobby Lashley, no way. There's just no way they're going to make him champion at this point. He had a solid, what, uh, how many months he was champion? I, can't, I don't know exactly. He had a significant run. And Biggie has had a, I'm sorry, but a, for, no, I'm not sorry. He's had a forgettable run. It hasn't been embarrassing. I, I really don't think Biggie's been embarrassing. He has not been embarrassing as champion. And I, I really will not, I will not say that. He's been frustrating as champion. He's been underwhelming and uninspiring as champion, but embarrassing? No. Um, that's the damn truth. But it's time to put it on the visionary, the man that has come full circle and found out, find out who he is as a character. That is Seth Rollins. This man is ready for the spotlight. The man is ready to carry the WWE right now. Um, and I think he'd be an excellent as champion. And it would start the new year off 
perfectly, I think. So again, expect to see, I would absolutely expect to see Bobby Lashley inserted here as uh, the fourth competitor in a fatal four-way. So get ready for that, everybody. I'm cool with it, though. You know, whatever. Uh, I know they they overdo multi-person matches, but at this point, we're all numb to them. So, um, all right. Uh, Now, let's get into another topic here. And let's move to something that uh, actually wasn't on the the Hulu version of Raw. So that tells you all you need to know about the significance and outcome and uh, purpose of this match. But Ripley... Rhea Ripley versus, I'm sorry, Ripley and Nikki versus Zelina and Carmella. And I saw a few highlights of this. Um, this is what Bleacher Report says. So just so I don't you know, miss anything. Queen Zelina gave a promo on her way to the ring to battle one half of the team. She and Carmella beat for the Women's Tag Team Championships. They had a competitive start that led Nikki, uh, led to her taking control and hitting a bulldog. Zelina countered a suplex and stacked her up in the corner. The ref saw the queen's foot on the ropes and stopped the count. A moment later, Zelina hit code red for the pin and the win um, as Rhea Ripley looked on in disappointment. So it looks like perhaps we could finally be seeing Rhea Ripley go back on her own and maybe Nikki A.S.H. dies a very quick death. I mean, I don't care if Nikki Nikki's on the roster. It's fine. Nikki's a, a commodity. She's important to the women's roster. And I think she's got something there, but not this ridiculous, you know, completely transparent attempt at a, a childhood uh, fan connection. It is not working. I've heard her getting actually booze at house shows, like completely booed out of the building, which is awesome. Um, but Zelina hitting code red. Boy, I love that finish, by the way. Um, and, you know, her getting the victory here is fine. And Rhea Ripley not taking the pinfall is the right move. So, okay, uh, let's see. We then turn our attention to the RK, uh, what's the RK Bronament? Boy, they they were really stretching on that one, weren't they? Like tournament and bro, it doesn't, they, they were fitting or trying to fit a square peg in a round hole. That, that's what the, that felt like. I mean, they were stretching on that kind of phraseology, but the whole point of this was to have the four tag teams, really the only four tag teams in existence on Raw, have a quote-unquote tournament in which everybody essentially made it to the semifinals. <laughs> I mean, that's what it was. Everybody by default were in the semifinals of this tournament, and uh, we were really looking to just figure out the finals of the tournament. And um, we had the first up, the Street Profits versus AJ and Omos, I think. And good match. I also like... Montez Ford kind of growing out his facial hair gives him a bit more of a mature look instead of kind of like a the guy looks very young and adding a little bit of facial hair, I think, adds to his character. And I'm, I'm I like these guys much more Montez Ford than uh, Angelo Dawkins for sure. I mean Montez Ford is easily the star of that group. It's not even a question. Everybody knows it. Um, and the other kind of caveat in this were Orton and Riddle backstage talking about Blazers where Riddle was dressed in um, just an old-school blazer. I think Vince or somebody in creative was watching old, uh, you know, 1950s or 60s, probably 60s, rather, uh, you know, interviewers, whether they are in wrestling or in other some other kind of sport, and they got this idea. But it fit Riddle kind of pretty well, and, and Randy eventually caved into doing it, and Riddle sat ringside with Randy. Randy didn't say much. Riddle was, of course, uh, running his mouth on the on, on commentary, which actually was kind of fun to listen to. Riddle is actually not super annoying on, on commentary. And we got a, a victory on the side of uh, Street Profits moving into the finals of this quote-unquote tournament. And Styles really and, and Omos were the story here. And Riddle coming in to talk about it was also part of it. But the look on Omos's face after AJ Styles lost the match was very telling, I think. No question about it. And the match, I think, was really good, by the way. Omos seems to continue to progress in body language. In-ring is always going to be limited. He's eventually going to hit a cap of what he can do, and I think he might have already reached it. His size is just so monstrous that... 
he's going to be limited just by physics. And the the whole story here that was the big the big story coming out of this, of course, was the beginning of the end. Apparently, uh, you know, of course, this is all just conjecture, but it looks like the end of AJ and Omas. That that looks to be looks to be the beginning of the end here, of which many of us have been looking forward to. Really, both men, I think, could benefit from this. Yes, the tag team division will suffer with another, you know, really like 25% of their tag teams now gone if AJ and Omos leave and they do their own thing. But the benefit is you get an instant main eventer in AJ Styles. Maybe, as we've all hoped for, in AJ Styles, another big run. You have the up-and-coming Omos that is a gravitational pull on your screen you get to see what they've been trying to do with him, or at least see what the plan may be for him. I think he's going to have a big showing in the Royal Rumble. I think a big, big showing in the Royal Rumble. Uh, perhaps they're going to have an AJ versus Omos match where AJ's the babyface, maybe. And AJ then challenges a Seth Rollins down the line for the championship. I mean, I'm just kind of doing the logical steps here. AJ is a babyface is fun. You know, AJ can do both. I really don't prefer one or the other for AJ. He is great at both. And I don't say that about everybody. That, that's for sure. AJ is equally talented on both ends, I believe. And uh, him facing Omas would be a fun kind of David Goliath matchup. And, you know, I, I don't think that AJ would come out of that with a clean victory. If he wins that that program, assumingly they break up and assuming they have a match, it's going to be by hook or crook or maybe just some kind of lady luck on his side because they have big plans for Omas. And I want to see Omas in the Royal Rumble and seeing him face off against maybe Brock Lesnar, right? Uh, seeing him face off, I don't know, uh, against Edge or something like that. Like seeing what Omas does with other stars in that ring. And um, that to me, there that's the, the, the end game here. I don't think Omas would win the Rumble, but he's going to make a big splash. In, in it. So I'm looking forward to this. This could be is hopefully the beginning of the end of that team. Not that it's been a bad team, but there's better and bigger and better benefits to breaking them up than keeping them together. All right, let's continue on here. And Damian priest versus Robert Roode for the United States championship. Amazingly, this was also not on Hulu. Amazing, right? A, a championship match was not on Hulu. So this, um, I actually did not see. This is what Bleacher Report said, and I'll, I'll um, just read it verbatim. This was a fun competitive match between two guys who are known for their, their athleticism and endurance. They could have gone another 10 minutes and kept the crowd invested. Priest's potential heel term seems to have been canceled as he is back to playing the good guy most of the time, especially in this bout. There was a couple of weeks where his rage seemed like it was leading to a term, but it never happened, at least not yet. These U.S. Open title matches are fun because they give Priest a chance to work with talents without having to engage in a long feud with each one. So um, this obviously led to Damian Priest retaining the championship. I mean, there was exactly a 0% chance of Robert Roode winning it. But um, from everything I'm reading here, it looks like this was a good match. Uh, Of course. Oh, wait a minute. (laughs) Here we go. Uh, Roode. Here's the final segment of the match. The final uh, few moments. And it said, this is, again, Bleacher Report, Rude fought out of the reckoning and almost won with a roll-up before Priest caught him with his finish for the win. Okay, I saw a roll-up, and I thought, oh, boy, they did a roll-up. They didn't. Okay, good. So Priest cleanly beat Rude as he should. Um, he's clearly in the, um, in terms of the, the the food chain, much higher up than Robert Rude is. So. Good stuff. Good stuff. Uh, all right. Dewdrop versus Bianca Belair. This also, boy, was not on Miz TV or on, on uh, Hulu. Miz TV's next, if you didn't catch that. Um, so, this is, if you didn't catch it either, maybe you watch Hulu. Uh, as Bianca Belair made her way to the ring, Dewdrop attacked her from behind to get an unfair advantage. When we returned to commercial, the bell rang. And Dewdrop tried to maintain the advantage, but Belair was able to get the upper hand and corner her for some kicks to the stomach. She taunted Dewdrop and backflipped her over in the corner. Uh, The former NXT UK standout dodged a dropkick and hit a senton for a quick two count. 
The EST, tr EST tried unsuccessfully to fight back before Dewdrop put her down again for another near fall. They took the fight out of the ring where Dewdrop hit a big splash on the floor to send, of course, into a commercial break because that's the only time they can go to a commercial break is when uh, somebody gets thrown to the outside and the camera zooms in on that person groaning in pain and the announcers say, can so-and-so get back in the matchup as Raw rolls on? Can they find something else another way? I really, I, I have this belief that they would, they, they would never go to commercial break if no one got sent to the outside of the ring. I really have that. I believe that. <laughs> like, like, how would they go to commercial break? Okay. So let's see. Where, where am I going? Oh, we returned from the commercial break, and we saw Bel Air starting to rally as the crowd got behind her. She hit a nice crossbody for a close two count. Dewdrop hit a Vader-style splash in the corner for another near fall. Belair was able to power Dewdrop up, but couldn't hit the KOD before she rolled out of the ring. Dewdrop decided to take a walk before the ref counted her out. Good, good stuff. I really like the um, the, the the way that this match was structured. I do. Without even seeing it, I do really believe that that was a great way because the payoff is being able to see Bianca Belair hit the KOD on this larger woman. I mean, that, that's that's it. You know, like she is a much larger woman than everybody else. Which again is not a bad thing, it just is what it is, and it's going to help put Bianca Belair over further when somebody sees it. We all watch her put uh, the KOD on uh, Dewdrop. I said said right at the beginning that's going to be the payoff, and uh, she'll eventually hit it. But good stuff, good heat for uh, good heat for Dewdrop by just leaving and getting counted out. Okay, Ms. TV. This was on Hulu. I did see this, so. This is um, wasn't as fun as last week. They didn't have it as much time in the ring together to to scald each other, so it was it was okay. Um, you know, Miz points out his nine thousand dollars shoes. Of course, we have to hear about the real world again, <clears throat> and it's amazing. You know, the Miz has been in WWE for fifteen years, and I still can't <clears throat> get the um, the stink of him as a reality TV star out of my brain. It's amazing. And at this point, if 15 years in, it hasn't happened, I don't think it's going to happen at all. And it doesn't help that they continue to also bring up the fact that he's part of Tough Enough. He was part of the real world. And he did bring up, uh, you know, the fact that uh, at the beginning of his career, that's when he needed edge. And, you know, you, you could have helped me back then. Instead, everybody you know, told me to leave. And they told me, you know, they, they kicked me out of the locker room. That's when I needed you. And Edge told Miz to hang in there. And, uh, you know, if I was Edge, I would have said, hey, you know, bro, th th this is how it works backstage. You got to earn your respect. You don't just get handed your respect. So, I mean, how many times have we heard that? But that's what I would have said. And Edge said, yeah, I had to deal with that six years earlier. I mean, it's true. So I guess he kind of implied it there. And The Miz, um, you know, he talked about his $9,000 shoes and how he came from the real world. And he was already more famous than 90% of the people in the locker room. Uh, Miz, yeah, I don't think so. Um, I'm pretty sure. No, I mean, maybe it's because I didn't watch the real world like ever. I was never a real world fan ever, but in 2006, like you still had some pretty heavy hitters in 06. So I, I don't know if 90%, that sounds like a high percentage, but uh, I mean, I'm not going to hold them to it. This, this was fine. Uh, eventually we did get to, uh, you know, Miz calling out Edge for not being the ultimate opportunist, not being the rated R superstar, and said that the old Edge would have speared him, and that's not who he is anymore. And Edge said, "Don't mistake in my kindness for weakness." And uh, of course, he challenged Miz to a fight, and Miz said no. But we all know this is going to happen at uh, at day one. I mean, that's that's when this is going to happen. It's already been uh, it's already been confirmed. So there's a match for your day one card as it continues to grow. And again, this is fine. You know, as again, I, you know, I like kind of reading Bleacher Report. I, I feel like they're one of the more credible sources, too. They, this is their take on it. They gave this a B plus as a segment. They said the Miz has an up and has had an up and down career. But when he wants to, he can deliver one hell of a promo. His interaction with Edge in this segment showed why he's been so successful in WWE. Edge is the grizzled veteran and Miz is the bitter former main event player made for a great combo. Both men are trying to get back something they once had, but are going about it in different ways. Edge and The Miz are both great at what they do. <clears throat> this was a good segment that helps sell their feud and put the match on the books. Yeah, I mean, 
Am I the only one that doesn't look at Miz as a main event star? I know there are some people that listen to this show that feel like the Miz is really good. And you know what? This is infinitely more tolerable than when he is with Morrison playing, you know, the high school sophomore playing ridiculous pranks. It's infinitely more tolerable. And this version of the Miz I can sign up for. It's fine. But I still don't look at the Miz as an actual credible main event ever. I never have. Even when he was in the main event of WrestleMania against John Cena, it wasn't a get, it wasn't really about the Miz. It was really just getting to the rock versus the Miz. That's all that was for. The Miz was just a prop. He was a placeholder. That's all he was. And he'll, you know, he can claim forever that he was a main event uh, in one of the main events of WrestleMania. And that's very much true. But when you dive into it and actually just for two seconds, take a look at it, you're like, oh, yeah, he can claim that. But this had nothing to do with the Miz. This was all about the Rock and, and John Cena. So to me, I have never viewed the Miz as an actual main event guy, nor a top guy. He's, he's good on the microphone, no doubt. Yeah, of course. Of course he is. But he just, I don't know. He'll always be that reality star guy that came in to me. Uh, runs his mouth. Ne- you know, he, he doesn't have the, I, I guess, the uh, aggressiveness or the, I don't know what it is. The Miz just to me is just a, he's a heel that is fun to watch get beat up, but he's not nothing more. He's not that true top heel that you hate. So I just made a whole bunch of people mad. That's cool. All right, uh, we continue on with our uh, very deep tournament here in the Mysterials versus Alpha Academy. And this was a weird match. Uh, and, and weird in the sense that Otis was not even a part of it. He was on, he was there. He was on the ring apron, but never got tagged in once. So are they still protecting Otis? I mean, I, I guess, because we got a roll up here as Dominic rolled up uh, Chad Gable. And it was just, just weird. I don't know. I, I want to see what they do with Otis. I was worried they were going back to the I'm big man. I eat everything kind of ridiculous type of uh, type of guy. And, you know, I, I don't know. Um, I, I do want to see what they do with Otis. I got to say they were they seemed like they were onto something with him. They stopped and hopefully they're back to doing something with it, even if the Mysterials are the ones that actually got the victory. So next week in the finals. It's going to be the Street Profits versus the Mysterios. The winner gets RK Bro, presumably at day one for the Raw Tag Team Championship. However, the other part of this was that we had the um, the interviewer Riddle, the uh, commentator, the 1960s commentator, come in and ask about uh, you know what was going on here and how they lost, and Otis just laid him out with a. I don't know if it was the world's strongest slam, I guess. <laughs> uh, and, and by the way, speaking of kind of ripping off finishers and, and, and things that have happened in the past, is there a reason why Big E is blatantly just taking Booker T's sucka and dig that? And is there something I missed that happened on Twitter or are these just guys just really good friends or I don't know. Big E's really been incorporating a lot of Booker T into his promos. Uh, maybe I missed something. I don't hate it. It's certainly better than his other normal gibberish that he spews out of his mouth from the new day. But I just, I don't know. I just, maybe I missed something. All right. Finn Balor versus T-Bar happened. I was really concerned about this match from the perspective that they were going to rock bottom, like completely bottom out Finn Balor, where he was suddenly losing to T-Bar. I mean, that, that I was, I actually thought that was going to happen. I would have come out here and lost it. But he beat T Bar. And as I think Corey Graves said, or Byron, I can't remember, somebody said this gets him back on track. And I thought the same exact thing. Those are the exact thoughts going through my mind. And then we get an attack from Austin Theory. And I, you know, I'm fine with Austin Theory doing this. Austin Theory and Finn Balor is going to be a fun matchup in terms of, especially in the ring. My God, it's going to be just magic to watch these two from an athletic perspective and and the whole selfie thing. I actually don't mind the selfie thing. It's, it's heat generating. It's culturally relevant, but it's heat inducing. No doubt. But the bigger part of this is as fun as that match is going to be. And I think it is. Why? What is, what is Vince doing? Does he even know? Does Vince know he's on TV? Like, can somebody maybe 
wake Vince up and, 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 you know, I, I, I don't know, like what, what is this with Austin theory? Has he just suddenly taken a liking to Austin theory where he does this from, you know, a backstage perspective, not on camera where he selects people. Suddenly he, he has an obsession with for three, like three, four, five weeks. And then they go away and, you know, just suddenly they get deep pushed and you never see him again. Is that what this is? Except we're actually seeing it on camera where suddenly there's something Austin theory has that Vince feels is worth bringing to the forefront. I don't know what this is. And furthermore, why does everyone, and I'm talking everyone in management that has a camera on them, have to always be on their phones before someone interrupts them? Now, I know that we're all obsessed on our phones all the time. I mean, hours and hours a day. I mean, I'm not even going to tell you how many hours my phone is telling me I'm on it a day. It's scary. (laughs) But from like, you know, a TV perspective, I don't want to watch TV to see somebody else on their phone. I know it's only for a few seconds, but it's, is that always, does that always have to be the transition? Does that always have to be the transition from somebody sitting there doing nothing to suddenly someone perfectly interrupting them exactly after the last match ended? So that there's a continuation of the program. I don't know. It happened with Kurt Angle as GM. It happens with, uh, with the current officials of Adam Pierce and Sonya Deville, they're always on their phones before someone interrupts. I, I, I don't know. And now Vince, Vince is like the ringleader. He's always on his phone. I, I don't know. I know we see it all the time in, in real life. All of us do. I mean, everybody's just, just completely mindlessly in their screens. I understand that. I don't know, but it's just small thing, small thing, but Vince has suddenly taken a liking to Austin theory, telling him they expect the unexpected pal. Uh, expect the unexpected, expect the unexpected, do something I don't expect. You're in a match tonight. You're not in a match tonight. Wait, what is this? And furthermore, why is, why is Austin theory taking this? What happened to being able to stand up to Vince? This happened with the authority with like Stephanie or whenever Steph actually comes back, not necessarily the authority era, but when Stephanie comes back, no one ever stands up to her. Everyone just bows at the altar of Stephanie. No one challenges that level of authority anymore. That's what made it fun. You know, everybody seems to cower when Stephanie comes back. And same with Vince. Like, whatever happened to the rebellious, anything can happen attitude? I was hoping Austin Theory, in response to what Vince said of do do what, uh, do something I don't expect, would slap him back in return. To me, that would have been awesome. But clearly, the the point here is to turn him heel. That would have, I think, turned him a baby face standing up to the boss and slapping him in the face, kind of tit for tat. But perhaps, or perhaps at uh, this stage in Vince's life, that may end up, you know, shattering his jaw. I don't know. Um, I don't know. This, seeing everybody cower at the presence of the McMahons whenever they come back is a little bit. It's a little much for me coming from the era of what made you great and what made it great was the McMahons always got their, you know, usually at the, in the end, got what's coming to them and seeing them get beat up is always fun. But Vince slapping people around, Sonya Deville last week slapping Naomi, and Naomi can't retaliate, which, again, doesn't make sense. Um, it, it's it's weird. I, I don't know. I, it feels like the talent are subordinate to management and in an environment that we're told that everything should feel that anything can happen at any time. And, you know, it's chaos. Boy, it sure doesn't feel like that, like that at all when Vince McMahon is around, does it? Everybody just, again, bends the knee to the almighty Vince McMahon on camera. Again, I know backstage he's the man. I get it. We all know that. But on camera, why do we? I don't know. I don't know. I'm not saying everybody has to be the rebellious stone cold and beat him up. But to, see, to you know, get slapped and then just sit there and say, oh, oh, I get it now. Just expect the unexpected. I don't know. Like, I don't know what the hell Vince is. What is the payoff for this? I mean, are we going to go back to the egg? Is Are we still on this story? Is this leading to maybe Stone Cold coming out of retirement? It better be. <laughs> I mean, at this point, it better be leading to somehow a Rock Austin uh, main event at WrestleMania. It's bizarre that Vince is involved in something so low level right like this. And I don't mean to disrespect Austin Theory, but Vince McMahon, when he comes back, it should be for a big reason. And it feels kind of like... And you know what? I'm going to say it. It feels beneath Vince to come back, at least from from his character's perspective. It feels below Vince to come back for something like this. And especially if there's no payoff that's worth 
doing all this for. So anyway, guys, I think this was a very good episode of Raw. Um, Yes, I had my rants, and I'm just going to check my notes because I know I took some notes throughout the show. Um, Oh, this isn't even about the structure of the show. It's more the comment that Corey Graves made about Finn Balor versus T-Bar. This is what Corey Graves said after Finn won. Against all odds, Finn Balor pulls out the victory. Uh, Corey, what planet are you on? In what on what planet are the odds against Finn Balor to beat T-Bar? Are you watching the same match that I am? Have you done any research on Finn? Do you recall anything about Finn Balor and, and what T-Bar has accomplished? How is it against all odds? Is it supposed to make the victory feel that much more exciting? Is that the verbiage goal that, uh, you know, of why you use that language? I, I laughed at that. I'm like, what are you talking about, Corey? This, this is a shoe-in. This is like a warm, this is a scrimmage for Finn. Like, what, what are you talking about, Corey? <laughs> that was just ridiculous. That was ridiculous. Um, anyway, yeah, that, that's the only other thing. I mentioned everything else uh, that I wanted to mention in my notes here. But again, guys, if you want to go ad-free and you want to do it for a year and only and get two months free and get seven days free at the beginning... Right now is the time. It's $9.99 for the entire year on Apple Podcasts. You can also do $0.99 a month. That's still an option. Or you can go on Patreon where you get a bunch of other benefits as well, Discord servers, shoutouts, and merch. So everybody, thanks so much for listening. Of course, you can check us out everywhere. Podcasts are available if you are on the go. And I'll be back tomorrow night with the mailbag. Guys, consider uh, sending your stuff in. Right now, the the mailbag is... pretty light in terms of the uh, email submissions and the voicemails. Now I say that, and then tomorrow I'm sure I'll be overloaded. I say that every time, and it's like my famous last words, and it ends up being a two-hour show. Right now, as it stands, we're a little bit light on uh, emails and voicemails, but you can, if you're uh, interested, certainly contribute. First-time listeners, long-time listeners, and weekly contributors, please feel free. You can email us at realwwepodcast at gmail.com. You can tweet at us at wrestling underscore audio or on even TikTok, guys. I'm on TikTok. We're growing quick. We're getting near 2,000 followers with only being on there a couple weeks. It's at the WWE podcast on TikTok or on Instagram at WWE underscore podcast. So I'd really welcome, of course, anybody new and existing to do that. So the show is all for you guys. The mailbag is 100% for the listeners and about the listeners and uh, giving my response to uh, whatever they have on their mind. So everybody, thanks so much for listening to the Raw Review. Take care. And as always, I'll talk to you next time. Thanks for listening to the WWE Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a show or head to wwepodcast.com and for all of these shows ad free head over to patreon.com slash wwe podcast until then we'll see you next time